Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. I want to mourn the old trees and tell them that we love them. I've looked at clear cuts in burnt forest and I've felt outraged. We are the crowning glory of God's creation, and all of nature was made for us. Nature is more productive because of us, not less. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's see, I think I pushed this button here. It's the Wretched Radio Mail Call Delivery Bag Q&A Infotainment Nationwide Extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Ooh. Oh, oh, I kind of missed that. This is Wretched Radio. <laughs> Come on. Back in the saddle again. Please send an idea, a question, a comment, a conundrum, a snark, pretty much anything wretched to idea at wretched.org. Here's the real test. Or text it to 877-282-2337. Oh, that's ah, good. Yeah. That's you, pretty good. You, look, you weren't looking at that post-it note in there, were you? No. <laughs> Is there one? I'm just joking. No, I actually, I, numbers and I, not friends. I'll tell you another issue that I have. Friel, we don't have the time. I Technology, what is it about technology? I There is, I'm telling you, there's got to be others like me, and I hope there aren't, but I suspect that there are. Anything technological, for me, I kid you not, using the phone, like to call somebody, not that we do that anymore. Okay, so I push the buttons, sending a text, it, to, to pull it using cookies, which sound delicious. I have no idea why those things appear on occasion, how to use any of the technology that the whippersnappers use. It is a total muddle for me. You're not as bad as most, though. Oh, I've, dude. I, I've worked in situations. Dude. I've worked in situations where I heard 90 times a day, help. <laughs> but it's because I don't do anything. Otherwise, I would be yelling for help. If I attempted anything noble or grand, I'd be yelling, hey, can somebody help me? You have no idea the things that I have to request. Like, just to, like, okay, there's that video. How do I watch it? You push play. Okay, got it. I'm on my way. Idea at wretched.org, 877-282-2337. All right, this first question is texted from Anonymous. Todd, how does one decipher between the spirit trying to correct or the devil using guilt of sin to break you. Theology. Theology. You, 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 you've, got to, you've got to know you're standing in Christ as a Christian, that you are not guilty anymore. You have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. So if you're being convicted about a sin that you are currently committing, that's likely from the Holy Spirit. He's convicting you so that you will grow in godliness, that you will stop sinning. If you're like, oh, I did this thing six months ago, and it's just, oh, and I I don't know that I'm a Christian, that, that's probably more likely the, temp, the devil tempting you to despair, telling you of the guilt within, because you're forgetting the Christian isn't guilty anymore. So it is okay to be convicted when you are guilty in the, in the present, but going back, you're not guilty anymore. And if that feeling bubbles up inside of you, and I know that it does for a lot of genuine believers, tender-hearted souls, they're just a, it is a perpetual concern about past guilt. 
theology. You need to understand when Jesus said that he saves you, he will not cast you out. When the Lord promises you as far as the east is from the west, so far has he separated your sins from you. You got to believe that. And if you're not, well, then then that that's, that ain't the Holy Spirit convicting you because he would be convicting you of something wrong. That's, that. hey, this actually makes sense in my head. Good thing it isn't about technology. I never get it out right. If, if you are feeling guilt about a past sin, guilt. Now, I'm not talking about regret. There's a distinction. Greg Gifford talks about that in the Transform podcast. You really need to be listening to that every single week. Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. That there's a difference between guilt and shame and regret. The Holy Spirit is not going to make you feel guilty of a past sin. Because you're not. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this one is from Paul. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I have to whistle when I Google for something because I'm not good at technology. Go ahead. This is from Paul. Don, having been part of and actively involved in our church for over six years, I've noticed that Sunday messages often focus on serving in ministry or vision casting, reflecting my pastor's interest in organizational leadership. But rarely do I hear a message about the gospel. Should this be a cause of concern? Yeah, sure. But let's let's just do a little triage on that level of concern. You know, I'm presuming that your church is orthodox and historically your pastor's been preaching well, but you seem to sense that there's a bit of a change. And you're hearing some of the contemporary evangelical jargon, vision casting. That's that's a big one. You got to cast the vision for the church. Now, this thing can go really wonky because I do believe that a leader should have. Well, we'll just use the lingo like this is where we're going, y'all. There, there, there needs to be somebody that's that's steering the ship, no elders, etc. But there, there does need to be some direction for it. But it has become the pastor sits in a room by himself, waiting for the Lord to tell him the vision for the church, and therefore we're going to do this because God told me to. So what you're hearing is a little bit of the contemporary lingo. It may be bad, it may not, but. If you're starting to hear that that's becoming the predominant theme, he's just he's just off kilter right now. So what do you do? Well, you blog about him, tweet, make TikTok videos and call him a heretic and put a big sign in the front yard of the church that says, this guy doesn't know how to preach, run for your life. No, actually, that's, that's, that's the exact opposite of what you should do. We should lovingly approach our pet when we have a genuine concern. Just go to your pastor and talk to him respectfully. Might, might you be able to talk to somebody about this without it being gossip? Yeah, but be careful because it could very quickly devolve into a trash talk on your pastor. So getting together with somebody that you respect and say, we are going to keep this above board. I am not bringing this subject up because I want to somehow undermine the authority of our pastor. We love him and we want to honor him in this conversation. So if you hear me cross the line, you stop me and I'll do the same for you. This is what I've observed. Have you observed the same thing? Am I right? In other words, you're checking yourself before you go because somebody might go, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Maybe you missed this and you didn't catch that. And you could be corrected and then you carry on. That could be done and probably, frankly, should be done before you darken your pastor's doorstep. Even respectfully, it's a bit of a lament or a corrective or what it really should start out as, 
Pastor, this is what I've observed. Uh, am, am, am I right in my observations? And then carry on the conversation and encourage him. Say, Pastor, I got to tell you, I, I, I know maybe that you're tempted to think that we believers inside of church don't want to hear the gospel. We do. We want to hear the gospel regularly and talk it through. And then you could encourage him to play this hymn. In I got it, Jimmy. You got it? Yep. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. Who wrote this hymn? Is this a Getty hymn? My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while on earth he stands, no tongue can bid me hence depart. Okay, so that takes us back to the reason that I thought of this song. That, 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 that the devil somehow can influence you. How that works, we don't know. But if it is not being done theologically correctly, it is, it, it is most certainly some sort of unbiblical temptation or thought. Here's the next verse. When Satan, here's the one I was looking for. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, here's the key. This is what you need to do if this describes you. You, you, you feel like you're unsaved all the time. You feel like that sin that you committed back in 19... 92, it's just, it just lingers and it lingers and it lingers. Am I really a Christian? Am I really a believer? When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. You need to override the lies of the devil and speak truth to it. And I would also encourage you, if you do believe that somehow you are being influenced, and you can be, not, not possessed, but you can be influenced by a demon, you need to stop, identify the lie, and then override it with truth. And here's the truth of the matter. If you're in Christ, you're not guilty anymore. Just remember that. I'm not guilty anymore. I'm, I'm yeah, but... What you did was really, uh, people died because of you. You can have regret about those decisions you made, but you're not guilty anymore. Not guilty anymore. Uh, I'm just, I'm not guilty anymore. I'm not going to feel condemned anymore. Might you still feel lingering sense of bad because of it? Yeah, I think that 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 can happen without being sinful. But you can't feel guilty anymore because you're not. Memorize Bible verses. Run to Romans 8. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He's faithful and just to forgive, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When the, when the lies of the devil tempt you to despair, override it with truth. This is Wretched Radio. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and I said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, 
they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Hey, thanks so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. We certainly appreciate each and every one of you who tune in on a daily basis. And we thank all of our gospel partners. We thank you for an amazing 2023, an amazing 2022, 2021, 2020, and all of the years prior. But hey, 2024 is going to be our biggest and best year yet. And we have some amazing announcements we're not quite yet ready to make that will impact so much about this ministry and the amount of people that we are able to reach. So if you would like to become an ongoing monthly gospel partner, if you've been thinking about it, you've been praying about it, we would love for you to join us in this effort right now. You can get all the answers to all of the questions that you likely have right now at wretched.org slash donate. That's wretched.org slash donate 2024 is here folks and it is going to be the biggest and best and most wretched year yet wretched amazing grace amazing gospel so you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally well then we'll let paul washer convince you you have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word when we support a man coming out of tmai we know not only that he is properly trained but we know that he will still be supervised would you please join tmai the master's academy international in advancing the good news of the gospel of jesus christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe Globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Know your reformers. Jan Hus, a Czech priest, was inspired by the writings of John Wycliffe to preach against papal excess and false doctrines such as transubstantiation. Even as he was burned at the stake by the Catholic Church, he continued to preach the gospel and sing the psalms. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. All right, fine, but I wasn't totally wrong. Of course not. I'm a talk show host. This is Wretched Radio, 877-282-2337 to text stuff or idea at wretched.org. I said the song, the hymn, Before the Throne of God Above. Is that a Getty song? Well, they didn't write it. That was written by Charity Lees Bancroft. She died in 1892. Jimmy, did you say she was an Irish? Uh-huh. From, yep. Yeah. She's from Ireland. It's an outstanding hymn, but guess what? The Gettys did indeed do a cover of this great hymn. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. Wow, the 
theologically rich. It was originally called the advocate, that you have an advocate. Jesus, the righteous hymns used to be so packed with great theology. Just reading a book called Worship, our top priority, I think, by John MacArthur. And he talks about worship in a far broader sense than we typically use the word. We think, well, playing the Gettys, that's worship. Well, no, that that's... That's when we sing to God. That is a that is called rightly called worship. But our entire life is a life of worship. Everything you do worships God. It either does it well or it does it poorly. You obey the Lord, you're worshiping Him. You resist temptation. You cling to God. You are worshiping Him. When you sin, you're not giving him praise, but you are, in a sense, glorifying him because he receives more glory for saving a sinner like you. But in a sense, who are you worshiping when you sin? You're choosing the lesser thing. You're choosing darkness. You're choosing sin. You're choosing the demonic. That That's, that's why our entire life is an act of worship. Our reasonable service unto the Lord. And in this book, John MacArthur retraces the history of hymnology, that all of the classic stuff that we read or that we most likely love, that, by the way, congregations sing the loudest, they were different in content and they were different in style. Prior to the end of the 19th century, so late 1800s, hymnology these were written by theologians, not necessarily by musicians, but by theologians who knew how to play their instruments too, inside of the church. And they were just rich, just overflowing in theology, like this song. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. Whoa. But that changed. Late 1900 or late 1800s, we saw the proliferation of gospel songs. And perhaps one, two people were really the, the drivers behind a change in style and content. Ira Sankey was the worship leader for D.L. Moody. And he introduced a simpler form of singing, a more contemporary styling of singing. And he lowered the theological IQ bar and made them simpler. Fanny Crosby was another one. And now, by the way, I'm not saying that their songs are heretical. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they're different. There's a difference between a hymn and a gospel song. Now, nobody should make a law that you can't ever sing a contemporary song because the styling of it is different. I, I think it needs to be scrutinized like anything else. But we do need to recognize that a lot of dead people who were really smart and theologically sound they understood that hymnology was important, filling our minds with truth. I, I got it. last just last night, Friel, we didn't ask, get to the mailbag, will you? Just last night was working on the order of service for our Sunday service at Alpharetta Bible Church. And I had to think through the hymns. And wow, you can, wow, the way that these people thought. Uh, the, 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 way, the way that these people would put into poetry s biblical sentiments that are so memorable. And the one, and I think that I've shared this here before, what God ordains is always good. 
what God ordains is always good because we're going to be talking about the subject of sovereignty. We're going to be doing a little bit of a, an exploration on theodicy. How do you how do you account for evil when God is good? So here's here's the lyrics. This will just bless your heart. What God ordains is always good. His will is just and holy. As he directs my life for me, I follow meek and lowly. My God indeed in every need knows well how he will shield me. To him then I will yield me. Now, this is, you're going to hear something as I, as I read through these stanzas. They build on one another. It takes the big idea in the first stanza and then kind of tussles it out a bit. Verse 2, what God ordains is always good. He never will deceive me. He leads me in his righteous way and never will he leave me. I take content what he has sent. His hand that sends me sadness will turn my tears to gladness. What a hymn of comfort that is, that God is that good to his naughty children. What God ordains is always good. His loving thought attends me. No poison can be in the cup that my physician sends me. My God is true. Each morning new, I trust his grace unending. My life to him commending. It keeps progressing. What God ordains is always good. He is my friend and father. Do you let yourself think about God in those terms? Do you? Very personal. I think I preached about this last week, if I'm not mistaken. He will shepherd my people. My people. Because our good shepherd, he knows the name of the sheep. And he spends time with them. And he actually wants to be with them. Our relationship with our God, it should be personal. It should be intimate. These lyrics, he is my friend and father. He suffers not to do me harm. Though many storms may gather. Now I may know both joy and woe. Someday I shall see clearly that he has loved me dearly. What God ordains is always good. Though I the cup am drinking which savors now of bitterness. I take it without shrinking. For after grief, God gives relief. My heart with comfort filling and all my sorrows stilling. So do you hear the tussling out? Uh, I'm going through these things and they're getting harder and harder. Now here's the last stanza, verse six. What God ordains is always good. This truth remains unshaken. Though sorrow, need, or death be mine. I shall not be forsaken. I fear no harm, for with his arm he shall embrace and shield me. So to my God, I yield me. Samuel Rudigast died in 1708. Idea at wretched.org. Idea at wretched.org or 877-282-2337. All right, this one is from Elizabeth. Todd, what are some ways that a socially anxious Christian can serve in the church? I'm not too comfortable around other people and struggle in social situations. I know I sometimes need to push myself to be around others, even if I don't enjoy it. But I was wondering <laughs> if there may be something that is not as stressful and as difficult. Um. Yes, and that's fine. But having said that, I would like to encourage and challenge you simultaneously. I want to encourage you that it is okay to plug in at a level where you don't get freaked out, whatever that anxiety is. It's okay. 
Don't feel bad about that. So is it doing working on the website, some technology, doing behind the scenes stuff, cleaning the building and doing food prep? Don't have to serve it and talk to people, but you could do the clean the kitchen, whatever it is. Do those things and don't feel like you're sinning. Having said that, I would encourage you to grow in that area because you're going to bless people. You are going to bless people, and that's why you're there. You are to be blessed by others and to bless those who are simultaneously blessing you. And if you don't push yourself to grow in that regard, you are robbing the people that you go to church with, and I hope love, of, of you. And that's a blessing. So how could you do that? Just do baby steps. Or just hang out with maybe one person. What's the environment that makes you feel most comfortable? What could you prepare in advance that would keep it from becoming awkward? I've discovered a fair amount of people, they don't like having any sort of uh, face-to-face conversations with people because they think, they I don't have anything to say. I'm going to run out of gas. Fair enough. All right. Before you before you spend time with somebody, think about stuff that you want to talk about, that you can talk about so that you don't run out of steam in the middle of the conversation. In other words, do a little reconnaissance, figure out the environment, figure out the issues that are causing you to feel this way, and, and start pushing yourself. And remember, too, theology. You have nothing to fear from people. So you might have to do a little bit of heart work and discover why, what is what is inside of me that could be sinful or that could need a little bit of a theological correction so that you can grow in that regard. And if you do increasingly, you, you're going to be blessing more and more people and you'll even discover as time goes on, and you persist in this endeavor, that you are blessed by them. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I am Jimmy Hicks. Kicking things off with a bit of a bummer today, as it's been revealed this week that abortion remained the number one cause of death globally in 2023, ending over 40 million innocent lives for no reason whatsoever. That's well over double the deaths from cancer, malaria, HIV, and traffic accidents combined. One analysis noted that this sheer magnitude of slaughter is nearly impossible to conceptualize. And even while faced with the truth of such violence and bloodshed, most of the media, politicians, and civil rights activists and crusaders remain curiously silent. It's not even curiously silent, it's blatantly silent. I guess some groups are always going to matter more than others in progressive math. In California, the Golden State Ring in the New Year expanding free health care to now include sex change treatments for illegal immigrants. How <laughs> incredibly thoughtful of them. And they wonder why so many people are leaving the state in droves because they're tired of their tax money paying for things like this. Transgender surgeries just join the slate of taxpayer-funded amenities like abortion and hormones. And Governor Newsom, of course, as you might imagine, praised the move as, quote, a milestone for equity. It's strange that the governor's generosity excludes the struggling citizens who are actually funding all of this nonsense. 
Well, an investigation has exposed coaching at a top Ohio children's hospital that urged doctors to manipulate parents that are skeptical of transgender treatments. Leaked training videos advise concealing risky experimental therapies by framing them as suicide prevention. Critics blasted the unethical guidance, of course so, as child abuse dressed up in credentialed jargon. That's exactly what it is. Just more evidence that kids that really, really need counseling are treated as guinea pigs. A massive new study has debunked the claim that minorities are facing harsher criminal punishments, a narrative that academia and activists have pushed for years. The exhaustive analysis in this study examined over 100 million U.S. cases and found no systemic evidence of racial sentencing bias. Turns out here, as in most cases, that facts, well, they typically don't align with prevailing bias narratives. Yeah. But don't get your hopes up and expect any kind of mass retractions from so-called experts or media. They will probably do their best to discredit the study, though, as they say, why let the truth get in the way of wokery? That's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. The Apostle John wrote a second epistle, which warned about false teachers who take advantage of Christian hospitality to spread false doctrine. As you continue to walk in love, be careful to distinguish between truth and error. False teachers have no fellowship with God. Therefore, God's people are to have no fellowship with false teachers. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You're not listening to a studio recording. This is actually the orchestra and choir at Grace Community Church. Unbelievable. a good one. This is Wretched Radio. The choir, they've actually got more people in the choir than we have coming to Alpharetta Bible Church. <laughs> There's row after row of people in that orchestra. Oh, you know what song that I just listened to over Christmas? Oh, maybe we should we should play this. It is this um, um, California Baptist University. CBU. Friel, we figured out the initials all by ourselves. It's unbelievable. Uh, behold, behold our, behold your God. Behold, behold our God. Oh man! And the orchestra—it absolutely cooks. And now that I'm looking, okay, I found it on the video machine here. Two point five million views. That is outstanding. Listen, this this will just do your your cold conservative heart good. These are kids at a. Baptist University, and they are the orchestra, too. Like a movie soundtrack. Who has held the oceans in his hands? Okay, you want to know what I like about this kid? Friel, are you going to chalk talk the whole song? Probably. (laughs) 
Uh, he's not emoting all over it. Uh, oh, could you just stop with all the breathy singing? Way to go, young man. Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Take it away, young lady.
go home now. <laughs> wow. You got to be encouraged on a whole lot of levels. Those were 18, 22-year-olds in that neighborhood at a Baptist university in California, hence the name California Baptist University. And they are just crushing it. That was the orchestra, the kids singing, and they were joyful and they're clean cut. You got to be encouraged on that level. But how's about those lyrics? And how's about when the music matches the contents of what is being sung? So the music, you know, it's all the mood inducing stuff. As opposed to how will this help us to love the Lord more? Way to go to the kids at CBU, uh, idea at wretched.org. That would be the email or 1 877 All right, this one is a text from Steve. Todd, I listen to you and Jimmy every day at work, and I confess to God that I'm a sinner, put my faith and trust in what Jesus did for me on the cross. But I hear you talk a lot about repentance, and maybe I'm misunderstanding, but are you saying people need to stop sinning when they repent? I don't see how the, I don't see how the sin will ever stop until we die. Well, those things don't have to cancel out the other. Our life, Martin Luther said, is a life of repentance. We are constantly confessing our sins not to get saved. It really is more of a relational aspect. Just like in your home, you put up with a lot with each other. But if those issues aren't regularly confessed and forgiveness granted, it it just damages and it, it harms the relationship. And so what do you do? You confess and things hopefully go back to keel. And the same thing is true with your sins. When you are born again, God grants you repentance and faith. No, you don't become perfect, but your desire for those things, no, I don't. I don't want any of those things. I want him. I I don't want to be worshiping Satan. I want to worship a benevolent master who died for me while I was yet sinning. You put your trust in Jesus Christ. You're saved. You're in God's kingdom. And then as you go, when you sin, confess it. Thank the Lord for his forgiveness. You're basically having your feet washed. When you got saved, you're washed in totality. But as you trip through this life, your feet get dirty with sin and confession, repentance. It's just a cleansing idea at wretched.org. All right, this is from Caleb. Uh, Todd, I've been troubled since watching one of your videos on false converts, particularly the part about them not delighting in God's Word. I've been saved for nearly four years and try to love God's Word, but I struggle to read it regularly and and truly delight in it, despite knowing its truth and value. Is my difficulty in finding joy in Scripture an indication that I'm not truly saved? Well, I'd need to know a little more than that. Because it just could be an area where the Lord is convicting you. Please remember when you discover, courtesy of the Holy Spirit, a new sin. It means he's sanctifying you, not revealing you're not saved. Now, if you are respond to that and go, whatever, I don't care if I read the Bible. I got, I got gaming to do. Okay, I would say that's problematic. Would I say that you're not in the kingdom? Not based on that alone. But I would say, hey, that is an indicator that somebody who doesn't love the love the law, love the word of the Lord, something's off. So without further interrogation, I would say that you should do some reconnaissance. The, the word is lovely. Why don't you want to gaze at it? 
because maybe you don't see it that way, or you've got some sort of lens on that clouds your view. The word is like honey. Why isn't it sweet to you? Maybe it's the way you're consuming it. So do some reconnaissance. How could you download the word more? Because the more you download the word, the more you're going to love it. You say, that's circular. No, it's not. It's just the way it works. If you don't love the word like you should, Start loving the word, and you're going to love the word more. Just start reading it, start doing it, and figure out a style for you. You don't need to read 20 chapters in a sitting. Figure out what works. Listen to it in your earbuds. Start even with great biblical preaching, and you will grow in your love for the word. This is Wretched Radio. Well, 2024 is a crucial election year. The sanctity of life is at the forefront. And while we do celebrate the overturning of Roe, we cannot ignore the surge of pro-choice voices. They are persuasive, but we can and should be more convincing. We have to stand firm, not only in our beliefs, but also in the understanding of the gospel to change hearts and minds. Pro-choice advocates rally voters with misleading arguments. And as Christians, it is our duty to counter these narratives with truth and compassion. Remember, this is not only about politics. It's about protecting the lives of the unborn. The debate has shifted to when instead of should, and now it's time to refocus this conversation. Equip your family and your church with Life is Best, a 13-lesson series that's not just powerful, but a call to action. Order your free digital download and streaming version from the Wretched Store right now. It's available for free during the month of January. You have until January 31st, and we, together, can make a difference. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries, Preborn Ministries and their network clinics. They are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby baby in the womb, when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat, would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. All right, well, buckle up. Get ready. Road Trip to Truth Season 4 is back. Host John Fabara is also back this year. But what's different this year is he has a traveling companion. Our buddy Jake Ream is joining him on the Road Trip to Truth for Season 4. And this is not going to be your typical grandma's Bible study. No, 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 no. If any of our other seasons are any indication, you know exactly what you're in store for. Hard-hitting questions, controversial topics, and a heaping dose of biblical truth. Sin, death, atheism, racism, critical race theory, you name it, they're going to cover it this season, and they're not going to pull any punches while they're doing it. Get ready, because they're going to tackle the toughest issues facing Christians today from a solid biblical perspective. Road Trip to Truth Season 4, available for purchase now at wretched.org slash four. That's wretched.org slash F-O-U-R. An apostle is a messenger sent from God. 
the apostles were granted power and authority to establish the New Testament church. There are no apostles living today, but just as the early church dedicated themselves to the apostles' teachings, so we dedicate ourselves to their teachings, which have been recorded in the New Testament. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, this is a pleasant surprise. This is Wretched Radio. Yes, the voicemail still works if you want to leave a message, and people have. Jimmy, we got some people still calling. We do. That old-fashioned voicemail <laughs> business, 877-282-2337. Before I push... I have to admit, I'm intrigued by this one. What's that? I get, I get very okay. So for here's the first email descriptor in my computer: dis dot 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 d apostle. That's what I get. Okay. Uh, one said the next one says child sacrifice, sin in heaven, whispering. But this one, this one kind of has my attention. Okay. Todd talk right. <laughs> That's that, a good one. That Jim Osmond. No, <laughs> no it's not. I'm intrigued by that. But before I push a play, might I, first of all, thank you for the hundreds of wretches who supported Masters Academy International last year. We did remember the Bible campaign, the MacArthur Study Bibles to the Philippines. Well done. Uh, I think almost 900 people supported that campaign. How encouraging is that? If you are one of them, be encouraged. You had company. And if you are now perhaps intrigued by what they do at Masters Academy International, would encourage you to check them out. It is a, it's, it's, yes, we're doing a Bible distribution program with them, but they're training pastors around the globe how to exposit the word. It is a, wonderful ministry, and you could be supporting a pastor, you could be supporting a seminary overseas, and you'll be strengthening the local church. You can do that at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. And now with a little fear and trepidation, one eight seven seven two eight two. Todd, we know that you're not hip or relevant, and that's okay. We still love you. But if you're going to make dated references for Al 200 Alex, then you have got to say it right. It's boom shaka laka, not shaga laga or whatever you're saying. But wait, wait, hold on a second. Now, this could be a church split right here. What do? <laughs> but do I? What do, you do say shaga laga? Boom. Shalaga laga boom. Isn't that how it goes? That was from Triple Espresso. That was one of the most brilliant, clean comedies. Three guys from the Twin Cities did a show called Triple Espresso. And that's one of it's boom shalaga laga. Now, what is it? Boom shalakalaka? Shakalaka, yeah. Shakalaka boom. Boom shakalaka. That's that's the correct way to say it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And where exactly do we find the arbiter for this dispute? I don't. Somewhere on the mattresses. It was it was such a funny play. I don't. It, it's, it's a shame they don't have many YouTube clips, but they actually they three guys. Chris, uh, Michael Pierce Donnelly, he wrote a couple of 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 hymns, not hymns, but contemporary Christian songs that were good that you probably know. And Bill Arnold, who's actually not bitter, Bill. He's in my chair at KTIS in Minneapolis. Not that I'm still bitter about. Being kicked out of that station. But the point is, 
three guys got together and they wrote something clean and brilliant and it ran. I think they did thousands and thousands of shows and therefore they are the arbiter. It's boom, shalagalaga. one 282 beep Hey, I got something for Jimmy's joke corner. Oh boy. Did you know baseball is mentioned in the Bible? In the big inning. <laughs> I want you to You're know. You're like Snidely Whiplash with that. <laughs> I want you to know I sat in my office for 10 minutes laughing at that. <laughs> I don't doubt it, sadly. <laughs> hey, Mr. Friel. I just wanted some advice. If someone is going through a spiritual challenge and they seem to not be losing faith, but just really be struggling and growing in their faith, what advice would you give them? That, you know what? The, uh, first of all, don't panic. All right. You, you're identifying something and you do well to assess what is going on, because on the one hand, on the one hand, you, you maybe aren't doing the things necessary to grow in your faith. That's on the one hand. On the other hand, there could be a change going on in your maturation level that that how you think about the Lord, how you feel when you read the Bible, it could be changing. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I, there's an entire movement that is dedicated to not understanding this, that the Christian life, like marriage, it changes. But it doesn't mean because you're not whoop de doo jumping up and down at a worship concert, it doesn't mean you don't love the Lord. It's steadier. It, 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 it's, it's deeper, more profound than before, and it doesn't have to express itself with a buzz. And the, the whole worship industry and the Hillsong business, they're all driven to, we got to get you ecstatic. We got to get you all whipped up. You got to get you excited because that's you can, how you got to feel as a Christian. No, it's not. There can be those moments in those times, but don't let it trouble you if your faith is deepening and simply not expressing itself the way that it once did. Now, what do you do to grow it? You do what the Bible says, the means of growth, Acts chapter 2, 42. You read your Bible, go to church, go to Bible study, pray listen to sermons, take communion when it is offered, and and you will grow. It might require some discipline. Please note, duty is okay. Being disciplined to just, I'm just going to do this because I know that it's good. I'm going to eat my vegetables because I know that it's good for me. Delight is better. But just because there are times when you're maybe not delighting, you're tired, the schedule, what have you, um, just do it. Just do it. Discipline. Be a disciplined Christian. Because the more you do it, the more you'll do it. And I cannot stress this enough. Please get plugged into your local church. And I mean plugged, I'm not talking about Sunday attendance. That's a given. What about Wednesday night Bible study? Go. But that's the night my Netflix show is on. Whatever your Netflix show is, It'll be better for you to go to church. It'll just be better for you because you're with other believers. Is there a men's group and you still identify as a man? Then go to the men's group, women's group, whatever. Volunteer, get there. And I'm telling you, as you do, that is very often a missing component. A lot of people who are, they're, they're conservative, they're sound, they're saved, love studying the Bible alone, and that's good. They love praying alone. That's good. But corporately, if that component is missing, that would be the first place that I'd go look. And idea at wretched.org, 877-282-BEEP. That's the number of the old toll-free or the text machine. Hey, Todd and Jimmy. This is Jonathan. You know, I've got the gift of discernment. Uh-huh. Uh, that means I can... Jonathan's... 
He's got his he's got his gun loaded, doesn't and, he? No, he's got a good question, I think. <laughs> question is, can a person who's been given over to a reprobate mind be saved? Is his spiritual condition reversible? It, de- it depends on what you mean by given over to a reprobate mind. We never know when that is. That isn't our call to make. So we need to be careful about that. We do need to recognize that there are times when God goes, whatever, I'm done. Now, it could be where he simply is lifting his restraining hand on somebody who's a believer or not a believer. And let's particularly focus on not a believer where he's like, okay, you keep wanting it. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you have the consequences for that. That's one way that God deals with a reprobate mind. There is another way when God goes, that's it. That's, that's the sin that is leading to death. I'm done with you. Can that person be saved? Uh, I don't think so, because I think their judgment has already been sealed prior to death. It is. It, it does appear to be the exception, not the rule. But as far, far as the former, the individual where God maybe is like, you want to keep dabbling in that cesspool? Well, get ready, because you're going to feel it. But that doesn't mean that he won't save them. Which one is it? The answer is, I uh, I don't know. None of us do know. I've got a question for you, so um, regarding money, I'm retired. I have an income of about $1,000 a month, but I would love to give $50, $25 a week to my church, but I don't have that kind of income, and I wonder about that. There's different ways of giving, you know. Yeah, I, I think giving first fruits, that's the goal. But I've said this a hundred times. If you don't have it, you can't give it. it. It would be like me. Hey, Jimmy. Yes. Give me a coconut cream pie. Okay. Now. Okay, I don't have it. Give it. <laughs> okay. You know, you can't, give, you can't give what you don't have. And so if you've done honest accounting, it's maybe good to get somebody involved in your life. Let them open up the books and see what might be available, worth spending, et cetera. And you don't have it, don't give. But that doesn't mean you can't give. Can you give of your time? Can you give of your talents? Can you give of, of just your attention to things? What could you do to be serving the local church? It doesn't have to be cash. Yes, that is a part of what we offer up to the Lord, but it is not the whole. The life of worship, giving is a component, but so is living and serving and doing and being obedient. And that can be done in the context of, here we go again, your local church. So ask somebody who's an accountant to sit down and do the numbers with you. And if they conclude, you know what, you're right, you just you keep every penny. But you're not off the hook when it comes to giving because there's more ways to give than just money. And until tomorrow, go serve your king, Shalagalaga. Shalagalaga.